Hey guys, thank you so much for listening or watching our podcast. If you're enjoying our podcast, we would like to invite you to support us by leaving us a review. Let us know how you have been encouraged by each one of the stories that you have listened here. Also leaving us your feedback. You can also help by following us on social media on Instagram and Facebook or by liking or commenting on our post and also by sharing with your friends and family. Also, don't forget to subscribe on our podcast and YouTube channel. Another way that you can also help us is financially by visiting our Patreon page by going on the link here on the description. One night, like me and my buddy, we're just leaving the club and man, we were on like drugs and we were drunk. And here I am just like going down the 101 freeway, like a hundred and something miles per hour off this one exit. I just kind of like spun out. I ended up hitting another car. I left the scene, I, and my trunk was literally in my back seat. I don't know how I made it home, by God's grace, like God. And even then, like God had a, his hand over me. My trunk in my back seat, honestly, it's probably like 20 minutes just driving like that. My license plate fell off, so then the cops ended up showing up at my house and got arrested. Here I am in jail facing a DUI, hit and run, reckless driving, and probably about 50 other crimes that day. This is Ordinary People with Extraordinary Lives, a series dedicated to the testimonies of believers and followers of Jesus Christ. I am your host, Arlenis Bakalu. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. But when he had considered these, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now, all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. And Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife, but kept her a virgin until she gave birth to his son and he called his name Jesus. I think this is one of the greatest stories that we can find in the, in the Bible, just uh, the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ, which is the reason why we are all sitting here on this podcast, just telling the story of salvation, that Jesus came to save sinners. And I think we even heard it in the passage, the passages that I read that he will come to save sinners. And uh, just even like the meaning of his name too, just the meaning of the name Emmanuel, God with us. Um, it's just, I think it's so precious, even that the name that God gave to his son. Just as we go on to you know, celebrate this uh, special season, which is one of my favorite seasons ever, Christmas. 100%. 100 <laughs> I, I mean, I've been posting already in social media. Who is as excited as I am for Christmas? I've I'm, been posting Christmas music. <laughs> I may have already started to listen to Christmas music as well. Uh-huh. And if you heard that voice, <laughs> this is our guest for today, Diego Lopez. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so tell me a little bit about your traditions for Christmas. Tamales. <laughs> tamales. Tamales and tamales. <laughs> Those are the four major food groups, as well as champurrado. What is champurrado? Um, it's kind of like hot chocolate, but like super, super thick. We put like masa in there, and that really makes it the texture very like thick. 
And so it's very cinnamon, but also kind of has that hot chocolate flavor in it. So champurrado and like atole. Um, Have you heard of atole? Atole No. That's why I'm looking at you like, It's a (laughs) corn-based type of uh, another sort of hot chocolate type of thing. Mm. So corn-based, super sweet. It's really good. So So hearing all of this, this this has to be traditional for in Mexico. Yes. Because your your family is originally from Mexico. So these are some of the typical food that you guys will have. Mm -hmm. Yes. Wow. And tamales will go on for five days in a row. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So, and wow. that's how and how it is. So, whatever <laughs> leftover tamales we have, we either like uh, toast them, the tamales, yeah, or we'll fry them. I've never them. had them like that, and I've tried it because of Richard. Yeah. Like my husband, he is crazy about tamales. Like oh, he man. was the one you need to try tamales. I'm like, look, I didn't have a good experience with tamales mm-hmm. the first time. I didn't like it, but then. I, I really, I guess, I didn't even remember. Yeah. I think they were Mexican tamales and they were so good. So good. Oh, <laughs> they were so good. Admire. But I never heard, heard of like toasted tamales. Yeah. So like the next day, you know, Christmas Day. So we celebrate Christmas at midnight, right? Yeah. So the 24th, we get all ready, you know, <laughs> get all dressed up, hang out. 12 o'clock, los amos el brazo, you know. Yeah. Hey, Merry Christmas. Hugs great. The gifts, all that. And then uh, tamales start like the 24th. Mm. Right. And then the Christmas day in the morning time, we heat them up so we can just toast them or we can just fry them. And, (laughs) you know, why not? (laughs) If it's fried, it's going to taste pretty good. That is amazing. And yeah. And so there's also my mom would also put them in bolillos and we just have like a carb attack and get filled with carbs and that will lead us to food coma by like (laughs) 8 a.m. And then wake up at 9 a.m. and do it again. Yeah. And have some more champurrado and then lunchtime. Hey, I'm just going to have a tamal. So this is just yeah. uh, Christmas Eve, then Christmas Day, yeah. and then for the rest of the week, you have food left. 100%. We have tamales, yes. For us, it's like pig. We will roast a whole mm-hmm. pig Amazing for Christmas Eve. We were with uh, Deb Victor. Mm. So she was here uh, on the previous episode, and we were just talking about this. And in her country, mm-hmm. um, she is originally from the Philippines. They call it Noche Buena, too. And I was just oh. like, what? Wow. Noche Buena? But that's how I call it, yeah. you know? So, like, the big day for us to yeah. celebrate is mm-hmm. Noche Buena. It's Christmas yeah. Eve. And there is a lot of food involved it's the yeah. same way. So it's 100%. just amazing just to... You know, to enjoy these meals with our friends and family. Yeah, now. and it's so good. It's just kind of, I think it just really brings your family together, you mm-hmm. know. And then me just being the social person that I am. <laughs> all my friends are just over my house. And then yeah. my friends really just don't even say hi to me. They go straight to my mom <laughs> and give her a hug and thank her for the tamales. And then behold, you know it. My friends are walking out with like two dozen tamales. Oh my and, I, and then mom's like, your friends took all the tamales. So I'm like. You told me to bring them. <laughs> you asked me to bring my yeah. friends. That's what we get. And Diego normally, so we go to the same Bible study foundation. And Diego, it's like the guy making sure that he feeds everyone at the Bible study. Like recently, we just started like during November, the November mm-hmm. season when we got back to meet together. I mean, it was just like a feast mm-hmm. with everything, the food. So you were like yeah. in charge of like preparing the food and yeah. like having it ready for it, you know. And then you have some people in the background, obviously, who mm-hmm. help you. But I think I'm going to ask you a little bit about that. I don't want to go ahead of myself, but just 
because it came to mind. So yeah, so just very thankful for yeah. your ministry and just how, you know, serving our church and yeah. our Bible study. But we will get into that later. It's honestly a joy to do that. <laughs> I find so much joy in just being able to do that. And food definitely brings people together. And it's yeah. the, probably the fifth or sixth key to someone's heart, <laughs> you know, versus Jesus and family and friends and yeah. all that stuff. So food's got to be in there. Oh, yeah. Um, so yeah, so food is definitely a big thing in my life. Yeah. So how about we just start off by getting to know you? Who is Diego? Where was Diego born? Tell Mm -hmm. us a little bit about your childhood with your family. Mm -hmm. Did you come from a believing home Mm -hmm. or what is your journey? Um, So I was born in Mexico and then we migrated to the U.S. when I was super young and grew up in Echo Park. So Mm -hmm. I'm always saying Echo Park is my home and that's my neighborhood. And, you know, that's the place that's super dear to my heart. You know, mm-hmm. and Echo Park is definitely a place that's diverse and growing up in, you know, a neighborhood where you can, you know, all your neighbors and you're out rollerblading and skateboarding and playing hide and go seek and tag and, you know, doing what kids did, I guess, you know, nowadays yeah, kids yeah. are on their tablets or whatever, but <laughs> I am very grateful that I grew up getting hurt, you know, getting <laughs> scraped up, getting beat up. you know, getting in fights, but it's, you know, it's what kids do, Yeah, you know? Yeah. So I'm super grateful for that. And it's a small family. So it's my mom, um, my dad and my brother, and that's it. Um, Some of my dad's family um, is out here in the U.S. Majority of my mom's family is still back in Mexico. Um, Yeah. So just kind of growing up, you know, with super small family, we just kind of were intimate relationships and, you know, marital relationships through parents and seeing them, you know, through highs and lows. It's just something that's always going to stick to you, you know, when you want to um, be that person who's, you know, who grew up and learning from your parents, whether it's good or whether it's bad, you know, you know how you want to be and you know how you not want to be. My older brother, he's 39 years old. I am 35. Wow. No, I'm 34. I don't even know how old I am anymore. I don't know. <laughs> I'm that's 34 okay. years old. Yeah, that means you don't think much about your age. That's, so that's right. That's, yeah. that's great. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. And Jesus said, unless you have a childlike heart, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. So I believe I am probably like 12. In my heart. <laughs> well, that's that's wonderful. That, um, that way you don't have to be, yeah. oh, don't talk about age. Don't yeah. ask me about my so anyways, age. So anyways, I'm yeah. 34. Um, and my brother's 39. So we grew up quite a bit age difference. He was always older than me and I was always younger and probably annoying, you know, (laughs) the little one. (laughs) Yeah. Um, just kind of growing up, you know, our relationship was close, but then as he grew older and I grew older, like our relationship was really not as like, you know, that's that sibling relationship that everyone probably has or other people mm-hmm. have. His interests were different, a lot different than mine. And so I was always out with friends. I was always that social person. He's more that introvert. Um, he's the schoolboy in the family. So I am not. Um, I do not like school. I l- love to read now. that changed um that changed (laughs) by god's grace um but before that read no yeah and then just celebrating holidays with the family you know all that was great and my friends would always come over because i love friends and they'd always come over and be you know celebrating with us that's something my mom enjoyed she's naturally a host and she's Mm -hmm. super welcoming and i think that's probably where i get that from as well you know to be able to like be 
hospitable, embrace people like, hey, come on over. Great. <laughs> you know, let's enjoy food yeah. together. You know, there's food again. See, food. <laughs> food um, is the topic. <laughs> and yeah, so just kind of growing up, um, small family, holidays and all that stuff. I moved out of Echo Park uh, when I was 27, when I got saved. Mm-hmm. So, but before that, you know, all I knew was just Echo Park and L.A. You know, L.A. is my my home, you know, mm-hmm. so I guess I can mm-hmm. can say, like, yeah, I'm from L.A. And if you have not been in L.A. for greater than 10 years, you're not considered from L.A. So that's my, <laughs> that's, that's my thing. Um, or not from so here. So you have to hear that you have to hit the 10 oh, year. Oh, you are. Oh, Andrea is saying wow. that she is. Wow. There you go. See? Although she is. Angelino. So- I'm only six years older than I'm like. You're getting there. (laughs) I'm still from New York. (laughs) Yeah. Growing up there and then um, still seeing, you know, parents get into it, you know, it just happens. But you kind of grow up and apparently that's normal. But, you know, in reality, it's really not normal. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. Being in the church, you learn that. You know, you have to sacrificially love someone, you have to serve someone, you have to put someone's needs first before yours. And that was the total opposite um, in my home, mm-hmm. even though, you know, yeah, they did sacrifice tons of things, you know, for my brother yeah. and I. But ultimately, it was just kind of like for the purpose to be there for the kids and mm-hmm. not be there for one another and not actually love one another. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that happens a lot in the Hispanic community yeah. where a lot of parents say, hey, we're just here because of you guys, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. you just kind of grow up saying, all right, well, you don't un- you don't fully understand it. You don't fully grasp what that truly means until you get older and you truly see, you truly examine like what that means, you know. So when, you know, parents say, well, we're only here for you guys and that's it, you know, it really just kind of shows how unloving towards one another that was and mm-hmm. how selfishness and pride can get in the middle and pride can definitely ruin so many things, you know, and uh, that's kind of what ruined my parents' marriage. And um, when I was 20, when I was 22, mm-hmm. I think they separated once for a couple of weeks and I was just like, yeah, whatever, you know, and mm-hmm. then when they separated a second time, I was, um, right before I got saved, I think I was like 26, 25. Um, that's what really hit me the most um, mm-hmm. and actually led me to tears. I think that's just, you know, evident of what alcohol can do to a family. I wouldn't say my father was an alcoholic, but he had his moments. Sometimes, you know, that can just lead to um, just coming home super late or not coming home at all and not knowing that you have a wife and kids at home and mm-hmm. again, selfishness and pride and you want to indulge into your flesh and please the flesh and forgetting or, you know, I'm sure you didn't forget, but, you know, you have a wife at home and kids at home and, you know, so priorities were not all there. And so they finally separated when I was 26, 26, 25. Um, I don't even know how old I am. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, so that separated. That really hit me hard. Um, and then at that point, um, I was just super like, all right, well, I guess it is what it is. And yeah, so he, my my mom basically just told my dad, get out. And he got out and never came back. And that's wow. kind of what happened. And you never saw him again? Yeah, I did see him, yes. And that's kind of, I saw him like a year and a half later. Mm. Yeah, so I didn't see him probably for about a year, year and a half. I didn't see him. Um, yeah, but, you know, growing up in L.A., going to 
I didn't go to any inner city schools. I got bussed out to the valley. My bus stop would be in somewhere in the neighborhood and then from there got bussed out to the valley. But still, I think every school has its, you know, its um, dark side. You get influenced by friends, you know, and friends become an influence. You start hearing things. You start, you know, watching movies of the things that are talked about. So whether it's involvement with drugs or whether it's involvement with gangs, like those things start to kind of arouse you and start to like really want you to pursue that Mm -hmm. and not know the reality of consequences and things like that. Yeah, I mean, in high school, I definitely did a lot of things. You know, I I was slave to sin 100%. And, you know, whether it be ditching school, going to school, checking in, leaving, going to hang out with friends to drink and to do drugs. You know, that was like pretty much like my career in high school, you know, so I I can say it was a career. Wow. (laughs) Um, I don't even know how I did it, but I graduated high school by God's grace. But still, you know, high school, I was, it was a place where I did, tried everything for the first time. And Mm -hmm. that just kind of led me to after high school and so forth. But yeah, name it. I did it probably in high school and then even forcing absence letters for my mom's signature. I'm sorry. Um, (laughs) Wow. Um, You knew your way. I knew my way. Yes, I knew my way. And I am a talker and I can talk my way into things and talk my way out of things a lot. Are you a smooth talker? I am a smooth talker, 100%. (laughs) I'm guilty of that. Whether it was, I think maybe because I talked to teachers so nicely, that's probably why I graduated and passed. That was probably, they were like, oh, he's so nice, yeah. probably. Yeah. They feel, yeah. I mean, look at me. Why not? <laughs> I'm not a bad person. No. <laughs> but yeah. then you took advantage of that. I took advantage of it. I say, hey, do you want Burger King? He goes, yeah. And that's me asking my teacher in high school. So you're feeding people even in high school yeah, now. Even in high school, yeah. <laughs> Your career with food started from high school. <laughs> 100%. And me and my buddy would leave class, go get high, and come back with food for the teacher. And the teacher would be like, thanks. And he knew what he what, what, what what was you were up Yeah, of course. Yeah. Thank you for passing me. Um, and that's it. Here's a burger. <laughs> Thank it. you for passing Thank me. Thank you. A favor for a favor. <laughs> Done. Um, oh my word. Yeah. And that was high school. I think that's why then a lot of kids that I went to high school with probably were able to graduate because they will do I, I That's yeah. something that I used to see in my high school mm-hmm. so often. People just ditching school, yeah. uh, checking in, but then leaving yeah. and then they will be like meeting up in yeah. other places. We'd and, go to someone's house and it's funny because- when I got saved, like I kept hearing of homeschool, 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 like homeschool. I'm like, whoa, I, I, how was your party? You know? <laughs> <laughs> and because okay. when I went to high school and I knew people were being homeschooled, that just means their parents weren't home. They're doing homeschool and we're going to their house and we're going to take about 20 people there and we're going to go drink, have fun, party all day. And that's it. That was homeschool. So basically your entire life as a teenager was just drinking, doing drugs, ditching school. Yeah. And I think I probably started when I was maybe 16. So my early teenagers, I guess, you know, I was just a normal kid, you Mm -hmm. know, and then playing sports. I've always been like into some sort of sport, you know, Mm -hmm. so that's something that I loved. And then 
So that's kind of, you know, I'm grateful for that. You know, that really mm-hmm. taught me a lot of things. Even my mom, like she always um, encouraged me to be part of some sort of activity, whether it's the Cub Scouts, Boy Scouts honor, or whether it was soccer, whether it was baseball, you know, she's the one that always kind of encouraged me to do that. And, you know, I'm very thankful for her and for her example. And she's someone who never drove. So we're always on the bus, you know, and she'd always, she taught me so many things. She taught me compassion and just respect the elders. Like, hey, that's a lady standing, get up. And so here's, take the seat, please. And so I'm grateful for that because she taught me so many things. You know, she taught me my manners that I know. Um, She taught me how to be a gentleman, you know, you Mm -hmm. better walk on the right side of the street (laughs) Um, and things like that, you know. So I'm super grateful for my mom and she's means the world to me and, it's the little things like that. And I do want to ask, so did you, um, did your mom practice any sort of religion or what is the background within your family? Um, we were Catholics. I really don't know what that meant back then, you know, and I don't even know if my mom, my mom's a believer now as well, by God's grace. Mm-hmm. We grew up practicing Catholicism. So we grew up waking up at five in the morning because it's the Virgin Mary's birthday. So we mm-hmm. got to go to church at five in the morning, go to mass, right? And so it's like, all right. We, I have no idea what I was doing. She probably mm-hmm. didn't know what she was doing, you know, but I said I was a Catholic based off of my parents being Catholic. Yeah. So I had no idea what that was. I don't know what that looked like. I only said that because my parents said that and they did that and that's it. So yeah. I had pretty much no background of, of anything. You know, I um, tried to do like catechism classes that mm-hmm. failed because I was horrible. Um, <laughs> and yeah, so I had like my background was just Catholics, but it's all based off of tradition. And I think yeah. that's kind of all that is. Even if you ask people today, like what's to me to be a Catholic, things like that. Well, I don't know. Like just we yeah. just do this, we do that, we do this, we do that. And it's all based off of works. And yeah. It's all based off about being a good person and working your way into heaven. And mm-hmm. but even that, like they probably still don't know what that what that truly means, you know. Exactly. So again, it's all like based off of tradition, yeah. Um, the rosary, the Virgin Mary, everything, yeah. you know. Yeah. So yeah, so growing up, that's all I kind of knew. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's like a lot. I, I feel. I feel that this is more like a. It has become more like a cultural thing. You don't really practice it. You don't really know the whole story. I mean, I think I I came to learn more about what it's practiced in the Catholic Church after I became a believer, mm-hmm. about reading about it, yeah. what everything that it's done is like, mm-hmm. you know, all of these things. It's like traditions is man-made. Yeah. It's not that the Bible is teaching this. Right. So uh, just to see that whatever I was practicing, it was basically installed by man. Mm-hmm. Yes, they say that they believe in Christ, but mm-hmm. what does it really mean to believe in Christ? Right. What does Christ really represent in our mm-hmm. life? So it's like really sad because you're practicing something that you don't really know what it is mm-hmm. for the most part. Because I've met other Catholic that they do, you know, like they right. they can tell you like, oh, this is why, this is what we believe. This is, you mm-hmm. know, this and like they can give you more detail. But in reality, it's like 
but what about what about the Bible? Right. What the, does the Bible say about yeah. all these practices? Mm-hmm. Okay, so your family says that you know they're Catholics, mm-hmm. but you're just being Diego, you know, teenager living life. And yeah. did your mom ever find out all the things that you were doing? Yeah, one hundred percent. And really, before, what yeah. happened to you? Because she's a Latina. So she. <laughs> I'm trust sorry, me, just trust like- me. I got home and, and I'm going to, I felt it that day. I felt her wrath that day uh, with many items. Wow. But it, Chancla. Everything. Chancla, name it. It, pro- it happened that day and many other times before and after that. Wow. But yeah, so she found out, she calls the school, says, hey, my son, Diego Lopez, um, every time he misses school, he should not walk in with a parent note. I was forcing her notes. <laughs> I was forcing her signature. I was doing all that. So she, you were not to do that anymore. All right. Got it. So every time I miss, I had to go check in, say, hey, I'm so-and-so. All right. Well, we got to know. We got to call your mom. All right. So, so yeah. So we got to call my mom every time. Oh, yeah. He was in there. Okay. Thank you. Boom. But me, I... During high school, I was already working. So I was always, I was always like hustling and, you know, yeah. getting some money, getting some dough. And so... <laughs> I got my own cell phone, started paying my own bill, whatever. And then I'm like, what am I doing? Come on, get it together. So I thought about it. And so I give my phone to a friend of mine who was outside. It was a female and she spoke Spanish. I said, answer the phone, say you're my mom and just go with it. Okay, Diego, it's great. Cause I'm a smooth talker, right? Here I am going up to the office and I'd be like, hey, I missed class yesterday. All right, Diego. And then they already knew me, so. All right, well, let's call your mom. So I'd call my cell phone while the girl was outside at the tables. So they'd ring, and then my friend would pick up the phone, pretending it's my mom. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> so she'd pick up the phone, pretending it's my mom. Okay, bye. Da, da, da. Okay, boom, done. Excused. And that's pretty much my senior year. That's what I did. So, so you did that throughout? I, yeah, my whole senior year. Because my mom found out when I was a junior that I was doing that. So my whole senior year, every time I did it, like, I just called my cell phone and some friend. Thank you, Veronica. (laughs) (laughs) Veronica. Shout out to Veronica. (laughs) I think you deserve your mom's wrath coming upon you. Because, man, like, wow. I don't think I ever told her again, so... Yeah. <laughs> wow, mom. Public he deserves another. <laughs> you need to use the chancla. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I'm pretty sure that now, obviously things are different, you know, but so how deep and how long does that go for you? The alcohol, drugs, and what else happened after high school for you? Yeah. So leaving high school, I was like, man, I have no idea what I'm going to do, you know, mm-hmm. and you know, being Hispanic, I think it's just more nature you don't your parents really push you towards education but like reality is I don't want to go to school like for what I'm over it you know I just graduated high school you know Mm -hmm. and then you have your dad who's working super hard in construction and you have your dad saying I don't want this life for you Mm -hmm. I get it you know I I see why now so yeah so after high school um, I enrolled into a medical assistant program with licensed phlebotomy um did that for, I think, like six months, got certified, and then I started working in healthcare. Um, but even through that, as like I was working and, you know, doing stuff, because I've always been into like being busy, I'd always, you know, you always have like your sin, whether it's secret or whether it's public, you know, you always have that. Um, 
So after high school, started working, doing that, started hanging out, you know, with friends in the neighborhood, you know, and other friends as well. You know, you're going to the club now. You're 18. You can go to the club. Clubbing was all I, it was it, you know, going yeah. to the Century Club and so many <laughs> other clubs, you know, and just every living. club in the city. Yeah. Yeah. Literally every single one. And yeah, so going through that and honestly, when you start that lifestyle, you kind of get introduced into other drugs, you know, and with that comes other stuff. I was smoking the drugs, I was sniffing the drugs, you know, and just partying. That was just my life, you know, I was always just partying and living my best life, you know, quote unquote, whatever people say. And that just kind of led through, that was like pretty long for me, you know, so because of that, remember I got this real cool car, like on rims and the sound system, like super cool car. And um, one night, like me and my buddy were just leaving the club and man, we were on like drugs and we were drunk. And here I am just like going down the 101 freeway, like a hundred and something miles per hour off this one exit. I just kind of like spun out. I ended up hitting another car. I oh. left the scene I go back to my house. I'm like, dang, what just happened? I have no idea what just happened. And some of my buddies were already waiting there. And so great. We're just starting to drink again. And like, I didn't care, you know, mm-hmm. what just happened. So you just literally hit the car and you just yeah. go. I, and my trunk was literally in my back seat. So I don't know how I made it home by God's grace, like God. And even then, like God had a, his hand over me, you know, like just thinking about that. My trunk in my back seat. And I honestly, it's probably like, 20 minutes just driving like that. I don't know how I made it home that day. And thankfully you didn't have anyone in the back then, right? Yeah. It was just Mm. me and my buddy in my front seat. And then um, my license plate fell off. So then the cops ended up showing up at my house and Mm. here I am, got arrested and so forth. So So you got arrested because of this. So here I am in jail facing a DUI, hit and run, reckless driving, and probably about 50 other crimes that day. But you were under the influence of drugs and alcohol. Yeah. 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 And so then me, like, you know, just indulged in sin, just lied about the whole thing. And I told the police officers, like, hey, this happened like at 2 p.m. The only reason why I'm like this is because I'm sad and my parents are going to get home. They're going to kill me. So, you know, Mm -hmm. and so that's kind of the story that I stuck through, you know, and I lied through the whole thing, going through courts, going through trial and everything. And at the end, like, I beat the DUI and got some other minor charges and, you know, how to do some community community service. So you were out of jail and the same day? I think I I was there for like two days. Two days. Yeah, I was there for two days, got out, went to court, stuck through that lie the whole time, and then just kind of going to court once a month, once a month, took it up to trial. And then at the end of the trial, they're like, all right, we'll give you a deal. Hmm. And they said it. I said, great, where do I sign? (laughs) Because it was a, a great deal. And then you just know? community service. Yeah, community service, pay to fine, go to like a couple AA classes, done. Great. No DUI on my record, awesome. Yeah, and you got back to your normal life? Yeah. So kept that up and still, I guess I learned my lesson, but I really didn't learn my lesson because like a month later I was out doing the same thing again. And so here we are clubbing again throwing all these parties and still like, you know, I'm guilty of every single sin throughout that whole time, whether it's, you know, um, sexual morality, being drunk, being high on some sort of drug, lying, all sorts of 
you know, adultery. And I knew exactly what I was doing, but I didn't care. Went to jail a couple more times after that for public intoxication. And it was always just kind of like a couple of couple of days here and there. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, I spent Thanksgiving in jail once. I spent a couple of other holidays in jail once. These are all different times. And, you know, I remember um, when I was probably my 20s, me and my buddies threw this huge Halloween party, huge Halloween party. And man, it was tons of people there. That night, a buddy of mine ended up getting shot. The following day, Hmm. someone ended up stabbed in front of the yard, died. And like, dude, that was a crazy party. And then like all of a sudden, like weeks later, my house gets raided. Like just like if you see like a movie scene, cops knocking, raided, boom. Like, yeah, that's exactly what happened. And then what was heartbreaking, it's like here I am being dragged out of the house and handcuffs and my mom crying and dad seeing that it's like whoa like and so they were charging me for that murder and I was in jail for a couple of weeks and by God's grace again you know his hand being over me throughout that whole time it was a DA reject you know and they just there wasn't any evidence because I did nothing there wasn't any evidence or anything like that you know and great I'm a free man but still that itself is something, you know, visualizing mom crying, handcuffs, you know, like house raided, house turned into a mess. Like just seeing that is just, and even thinking back to that, it's just super heartbreaking to just have your mom go through that. Again, just the consequence of my actions, you know, my choice of lifestyle then kind of continuing through that path of destruction, you know, the only person I'm destroying is myself, but ultimately you know, my family having to face those consequences as well. Someone had to get paid lawyer fees and, you know, all that stuff. And And other people were affected because that's what happened with sin, right? When we are sinning, it's not only us that are, that it like we're not the only one affected by the sin, but even like imagine like that party that you had, two people died, lost their life. Whatever we're involved in, whatever we do, it affects other people. It doesn't affect the person doing it. But everyone else, and yeah. again, like your family, like you said, the example mm-hmm. that you were setting, mm-hmm. and just like what you said at the beginning, we're here because of you. Yeah. When your parents tell you that, yeah. and then this is the kind of yeah. behavior that I'm having, yeah. and then my parents sacrificing everything, and mm-hmm. yet, but you see, just to remind us yeah. that in our own strength, yeah. <laughs> that's the only thing that we will do. Yeah, yeah. and wretched sinner that I am. Still, it's like, it's just a path of destruction, whether you're ruining your own personal life, but you don't realize at the moment that, man, there's so many other people that are involved in this that are also hurting by this, mm-hmm. specifically your family members. What happens after that experience? <laughs> you know, like, I mean, did you change? Did anything change it's or just, back to the same? I, I honestly, that was just, you just change for like a month or two. Or three, and then Satan is always knocking in the back door, prowling like a lion, you know. And it's crazy because you're indulged by so many things, and yet the flesh is just super powerful where you kind of get yanked back to doing the same thing. So I just went back to doing the same things a couple months later, you know, and just doing that and, and, continuing to go to the clubs, continuing your party. But through all that, like, I just kind of killed a pretty steady job. Here I am. I was 
young and making pretty decent money, you know, working at a hospital. And the Lord was just still kind and faithful enough to allow me to be able to have a great steady job working at a hospital facility, not knowing what his attributes were, but, you know, him playing a role through, you know, you being dead and your trespasses and your sins. When I got saved later down the road, I just thinking about all that and just kind of writing everything down is just something that you just go back and be like, wow, the God, uh, Lord was in my life during that time and during that time and during that moment and then during that moment and doing his work, you know, behind every single trial in my life and literally, you know, whether I was in jail, whether I was in the streets, he was definitely working in my life, you know, but I was blind and did not see that. And even, you know, further down the road getting, I think my last time I went to jail, I was like 24. We're out at a bar, got in a bar fight. I had a gun with me. That's just what happened. He's just, I guess it's normal to carry a gun. So I started carrying guns and we're out with my buddy and got in a fight. I go, he's fighting. I go outside. I start fighting, pull my gun out, pistol whip someone and we're fighting. I didn't shoot anyone. I probably would have. Cops come. I couldn't throw my gun. Boom, busted. So here I am in jail for a gun charge. That itself was a whole, you know, trial itself, you know, just like going to court and being in jail for a couple of days for that. I spent Thanksgiving that year when my house got raided. I spent um, Christmas in jail. It's heartbreaking to just kind of see your mom, you know. Celebrating Christmas while her yeah, son well, is in jail. Yeah, you know, yeah. and that's that itself is pretty sad and heartbreaking for me. It's very selfish, you know, um, to just continue to indulge yourself not realizing, you know, the pains that everyone else is going through during that yeah. moment. And here I am, like 24, like just laying in bed in jail. Like, man, I'm 24 years old. I have a great job. Like, what am I doing? You know, I'm going to be 25. And that's kind of like when I kind of start to kind of notice things in my life, about my life. Like, man, I'm 25 years old, just ruining my life. You know, I've been in jail so many times. By God's grace, I've gotten out every single time, but there may be a a next time where I probably won't get out Mm -hmm. or there will probably be a next time where I'm the one that's going to get shot or something Mm -hmm. like that, you know. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say, you know, I'm a gang member or anything like that, but I was affiliated with growing up in Echo Park. Like I was affiliated with friends who decided to choose that lifestyle and loving them because we're friends through the same neighborhood and you know that's just kind of how it is you know you just learn to love and create that extended family and if you're sitting here with me today it's because praise god yeah because of christ something had to change right because that Mm -hmm. diego at some point had to be transformed giving a new heart so that because it seems like there is a pattern there is a pattern that every time that you did something though you get out of it you always went back yeah. It's like, what is that saying? Or I guess it's like in the Bible too. When is it? Yeah. The dog like returning to its vomit. Yeah, yeah. to its vomit. Yeah. Like that's what a wretched sinner yeah. can do. A person without Christ, that's what the person does. Yeah. They go back basically to their vomit, yeah. to the same sinful life until Christ comes. So I'm interested to know yeah. how is it that you are introduced to the gospel? After my gun charge, um, I have this crime partner who's my best friend and 
I, you know, admire him. He is someone who was my crime partner, I would say. You know, that's mm-hmm. how I say, hey, that's, that's my old crime partner. Name it. We did it together. We were we were both fools, that's for sure, mm-hmm. you know. He ends up getting saved before I did, by God's grace. And um, the girl who led him to the Lord, now they're married. And wow. so praise God, you know, that they're married, they have a beautiful son. And so the Lord really, you know, used my crime partner to work in my life. <laughs> to share the gospel with me. And now we both get to share such joy to and privilege to be able to call one of brothers in Christ and to be able to share the blessings, you know. Um, but what is your reaction? What is your yeah. response to your partner in crime yeah. literally to now yeah. <laughs> speaking to you yeah. about Jesus? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so it's funny because... He got saved first, and then I would call him Wednesdays. Be like, hey, it's Margarita Wednesday at Barragans. Let's go. I have so-and-so, so-and-so, so-and-so are coming. He goes, nah, dog. I'm going to Bible study. I'm like, what? <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> Click. <laughs> and so then that just, that was like a pattern. You start to see the fruit in people, you yeah. know, and you start to see how the Lord is working in their lives, the fruit that is just so evident. Um, And you see what uh, repentance looks like before your very eyes. Even though you don't know what repentance looks like, I didn't know what that looked like. But through my interactions with him, like you can just tell, wow, like he's different. He is truly a transformed mind. Because of my gun charge, I had to do community service, a few other things. So around that time, that's when my parents kind of separated for Mm -hmm. that second time. And I didn't see my dad for a while. And here he is. He'd call me Sundays, be like, hey, let's go to church. I go, no, I got to go do community service. So um, I would say kind of go, you know, serve my community, not by choice. So (laughs) um, he'd always call me like, no, I can't. And so then one Sunday he calls me. He's like, let's go to church. And And this is your friend. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, He goes, let's go to church. And I'm like, all right, I'm not trying to go to community service. All right, let's go to church. You've been annoying me about this church thing <laughs> situation. So I just go. And, you know, it wasn't Grace Church. It was a different church mm-hmm. that we were going to. Um, and here I am, you know, going to church. And I had no idea what to expect. And people were very loving, you know, and everyone was just super nice. And I'm like, dude, everyone's freaky nice here, you know, like what's <laughs> happening? This um, is not normal kind of how the spirit, the Lord, you know, God, the Father, the Trinity, how just everything just kind of works out. It's just such a mysterious way where you're like, you catch like a little nugget of something that's being taught that day. And I'm like, all right, cool. I guess I'll come back next week. Still, like I just kind of went for a few weeks, you know, and that church per se wasn't, you know, ended up not being so theologically and doctrine sound like, you know, the church we go to now. But there's just something that's just like, whoa, like, all right. Like, you know, they're big on worship. I would say that they, at the end, they were faithful to the gospel, but seeker friendly and things like that. But you don't know what that, what that is as yeah. someone who's not saved. My parents were separated and I ended up missing my dad and my friend, ends up inviting me to a couple Bible studies. So I'm like, all right, let's go to Bible study. All right, let's see what this is about. And 
here I am, I show up to Bible study thinking that I'm like, all right, we're going to study the Bible. And like, no, like we're going to talk to you about the gospel. I'm like, well, all right, great. And so then, you know, they share so many things with me and it's just kind of like different sorts of studies and I'm going through them and I'm like, whoa, like this is somehow the Lord began to kind of do work in me during those Bible studies where um, I wasn't so attractive to what my life used to be about, you know, like whether it was drinking, whether it was going out to a bar or X, Y, and Z, whatever it is that I used to do, like the Lord just kind of began to slowly work into my life and me just kind of realizing me being dead in my sins and mm-hmm. me being spiritually dead, mm-hmm. you know, and me just kind of being selfish and me just pleasing myself and just doing things for my own personal gain. I'm like, I open up with the guys like, man, I kind of miss my dad. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, why don't you go see him? I'm like, I don't want to go see him. I'm like, for what? Like, all right, well, so I kind of shared a couple things with them. And they're like, well, maybe you should pray about it. And I'm like, I don't know how to pray. Like, what is this whole thing? So I think we ended up praying. If I recall, we ended up praying together that day. And I am just kind of praying, like, on the side, like, for, you know, a couple of days. And then my prayer was for the Lord to give me strength, to give me courage, to mm-hmm. be bold, to like go knock on my dad's door because I knew mm-hmm. where he lived and I had his phone number, you know. Mm-hmm. And that was like my prayer, like to have like some sort of courage, some sort of bold- boldness to face this fear that I have here because I don't want to face my dad. That was like my prayer. And so it's just amazing how the Lord works. And one day I'm out doing, you know, I'm out serving my community, you know. <laughs> Not, that you were forced not, to? Not by choice, okay? <laughs> so here I am one day serving my community, cleaning, you know, the metro bus stops. You know, I want to make sure everything looks nice and clean and <laughs> sweeping, picking up trash everywhere, you know? Yeah. And then out of nowhere, it's like my dad just walks in front of me. Yeah. Wow. And like my dad just like, dude, is that my dad? Like, what's happening? I turn around, like, it's not my dad. And I turn around, look at him, I'm like, dude, that's my dad. <laughs> <laughs> even recognize yeah. dad. and like I'm like I just turn around and instantly I just remember my prayer like Lord I'm asking for courage I'm asking for boldness I'm asking for strength to pick up the phone and go see my dad and are you, you a believer at this time no not yet and so I don't like it's just miraculous and just how wonderful and how mysterious he works you know and it's just it just became evident to me that like whether he was listening to me or not, because I wasn't a believer then, but just how he responded by the prayers of Mm -hmm. the men in my life at that moment where it's like, all right, I know you're asking for this, but yet I'm going to bring you something greater. And yet he like brought my dad into my life that day, like in the middle of the streets, like what's happening? Dude, I just see him. And I like, honestly, like just tap his shoulder. He recognized me. We hug each other. And it's like, whoa, like, here we are. Yeah. And then, you know, we talked for a little bit and like, dude, what's your number? He ended up giving me his number. And then here I am, like, just in awe, like amazed. And I think that day I was like, okay, like, I really, really, really needed to, like, kind of continue to seek his calling. Because clearly, you know, the mm-hmm. Lord, even through my whole past, like, the Lord was just kind of working 
through my life, being so kind to me and so faithful to me, seeing that, uh, you know, work that the Lord did in my life just kind of like led me to call my boy and I'm like, dude, you're going to trip out. Like this just happened right now. And he's like, man, you see, that's, that's just, that's just kind of how God works, you know? Like, and so I'm like, man, all right. And so we're kind of pursuing all these studies again. And I'm like really into it here. You know, we get to some point where it's like, we're talking about sin and I'm just like, keep talking about my sin, like this and this and this. And I'm just kind of like, getting torn and torn and torn and torn. And some other time, I think like the last time, the night that I got saved was my friends were we were going on a trip and I was, but we we're all going and I'm telling the guys in my Bible study, I'm like, dude, peace out. I'm going out of town. They're like, what do you think? That's pretty wise. I said, yeah, it's going to be fine. I'm going to go over there and I'm going to share Jesus with them. And then and you're not a believer. I'm not a believer. No, I have no idea what that looked like or anything <laughs> like that. They're like, well, you should probably, you know, think about it and see, make sure it may not be wise, but hey, you know, maybe pray about it. Here I am praying about it because now, like, I just had a prayer that day, right? Or just <laughs> moving forward from that time. And yeah. so then I'm just kind of praying, like, yeah, I think it'll be fine and help me to share you, God, and, you know, so forth. And I get to the house. We're all meeting up and I just kind of start seeing everyone like smoking weed and just drinking. And I just kind of like take a step back and I'm just like, like, uh, like I was just so turned off by that. And I was just so like convicted by the fact that like, man, this is where my life has been for the past 10 years. And this is what my life can be like for the next 20, 30, 40 years. And like, ugh. So I ended up like telling the guys like, hey guys, I'm sorry, I just can't go to this trip. And this is why. And so I tell them like, I'm starting to go to church and I'm starting to, you know, seek Christ. And at the time I'm like, I'm seeking Christ and things like that. And, you know, my prayer was for them to continue to love me and to accept me for the man who I'm currently becoming and not like make fun of me and not be like, oh, you're just a weird guy now, whatever. By God's grace, they just embraced me. They're like, dude, we love you no matter what. You wow. do you. And I'm like, whoa. And yeah. like, I love sunsets. I've it's always been a big thing. And I think at that time, my friend was living like somewhere in East LA, no, in South Central, South LA. And I just see this beautiful sunset in this dark neighborhood. And I'm just like, whoa. Like, and that just kind of like led me to the Lord just kind of really displaying himself and revealing himself to me um, by such way of, you know, my friends reacting in a loving way and kind way. And just seeing that sunset just kind of like I was driving and just started crying. I just started crying and crying, and I was, like, asking the Lord, like, why are you so good to me right now? Why have you allowed so much goodness into my life now? And why, you know, asking the Lord why, why? And that night, like, I was just reading the Bible and just really just kind of going to— I was going through Galatians, Mm -hmm. and also when we started reading— uh, when I started reading the Bible, I was going through Matthew and just that gospel itself, you know, and that specific day, just kind of really going through Galatians, just really opened my mind. It's Galatians 6, 9, um, actually 6, 6, 8, that really just kind of opened my eyes and really just like, like, I was just awake for some reason. And 
Galatians 6 to 8, it says, For the one who sows his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Mm. And that itself just like really triggered and something and just opened my eyes like, man, here I am just reaping the flesh and reaping eternal destruction. Mm-hmm. And I've tasted your goodness for the past couple of weeks. And that's been nothing but fruitful and nothing but joy in my life and me being able to open my eyes and see that night, I ended up just kind of praying for the Lord and just asking for his forgiveness for all the sins that I've committed. And I ended up just saying, Jesus, like you're the Lord of my life. And moving forward, I choose nothing but to please you and to honor you and to glorify you through my needs and my speech and whatever it is. By God's grace that day, like I just kind of repented from everything. I don't know how, but I just stopped drinking. I stopped doing drugs. I just like cold turkey, like just stopped everything. And even living in Echo Park, like it was still a dark place because if I wanted alcohol, I can go down the street to the liquor store and say, hey, put this on my tab. Cause I just had it like that. Like I didn't have to pay him anything. He knew who I was put on my tab. Great. If I wanted drugs, I go up to this house. If I wanted to something, go to that house, whatever I wanted, it was easy, accessible. And even just kind of living there, which like was very dark for me. And I was just struggling and struggling like, oh gosh, like my flesh is just really just aching me. Just being able to, to get out of there was another act of God's grace reading the Beatitudes just kind of led me specifically where, you know, um, being poor in spirit and then mourning over sin just kind of led me to just hate my sin, just kind of hate with what I was doing. And by God's grace, I, you know, repented, got saved that night. And miraculously, my mom got saved like a month later and she wasn't telling me what she was like, you know, doing as well. And it's like, whoa, like you're a believer too, like great, you know. Wow. And so I ended up getting baptized. I told my mom, hey, I told my friends, told everyone to come. Hey, everyone, roll up. I'm getting baptized. Wow. Yeah, and it was great. It was a great turnout. And a lot of my friends showed up being very supportive. My mom was there. And here I am just kind of crying and asking for her forgiveness as well for everything that I did. And... That was probably about nine years ago, eight years ago. Mm -hmm. Even then, like, my testimony just kind of didn't really stop. It's like, here I am now, and you kind of, you're going to this church that's really seeker-friendly, and yet they're kind of faithful to the gospel, but you get exposed to expository teaching, and you're like, whoa, what is happening over here? Like, So you get exposed to, like, solid teaching, and you get exposed to, like, word for word and what biblical teaching is. And it's like, I go to Grace Church just to visit it because my boy said, hey, listen to this guy. I'm like, whoa, he's great. Let's go to his church. And like his providence, it was like a mile away from where we were living. So we go to Grace Church early morning service. Then we go back to our church and like two different things. Like, you know, here we are. Here's Pastor John talking about, you know, the shepherd, the gatekeeper and John 10. Mm -hmm. and where I'm just like, 
at the point where we're almost like crying, like, whoa, like this is my God here. And then we go back to the other church where it's like kind of like a fun place to be at. And that was super convicting to me as well. And you kind of start to dig into the scripture. You start to be a Berean. You start to look into the scripture and seek the truth. And you're just, I just remember um, listening to Amazing Grace, you know, where that specific um, lyric where it says, where I was blind, but now I see. And here I am blind in this church that the Lord used for me to come to his calling. And yet I was still blind and I, my, my eyes just awakened and I was like, whoa, like, no, this is the place where I need to be. And just speaking to leadership at that one church was just like a little discouraging as well. And they're just like, you just probably shouldn't go there or you should probably, you know, check your heart. I'm like, "Mm, heart's deceitful, you know? (laughs) Um, Yeah. I'm not going to do that. And what was very comforting um, was I go to the prayer room after one evening service and I speak to an elder there. And first thing he said is like, hey, look, we're not sheep stealers here, you know? And, but with where you're at, it's not a good place for you to grow spiritually if they're teaching the things that you're telling me. But I want you to know that there are other churches here that we can help you find a good church, but we're not sheep stealers here. And that was just probably the most comforting thing I've ever heard from a pastor say to just be like, hey, like I'm here for you spiritually and as a brother in Christ, but I want to let you know that this is not the church that you necessarily have to come to. And after that, I'm like, no, that's the church I want to come to, you know? (laughs) And ever since then, it's like, uh, this is the church I want to serve at. This is the church I want to be at. This is the church where, Lord willing, I want to raise a family at and serve, you know, the church with whatever gifts that the Lord has given me for their good. Like I think it's Ephesians 4, you know, save for good works, you know? And even though, you know, I'm naturally hospitable it's like well I want to take this and bring it to you know a place that I've become to love you know come to love and just kind of seeing it like it's like heaven on earth here we are with one understanding one mutual understanding we all share the same beliefs and you know realizing that we're all sinners realizing that we desperately need um scripture in our life we need to pursue sanctification we need to pursue holiness we need to pursue accountability we need to pursue counsel and gain much wisdom from not only the elders but people who have been having that walk with the lord for 10 Mm -hmm. 15 20 50 years and really just meditating on all that and i think just kind of one scripture that really just kind of keeps to mind earlier you asked me Mm-hmm. You know, what scripture do I go to, you know? And for me, it's it's always going to be Romans eight eighteen for me. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. That glory itself is a hope that we have, you know, that we share as believers. And the hope is eternal life with Jesus, worshiping and singing and praising him, you know, and having that comfort of eternal life and not knowing or caring who our next president's going to be. Like, I don't care. Mm -hmm. I just care to know that I want to continue to be in this relationship with my Savior and I want to continue to be 
in this uh, relationship that is going to lead me to a better place that's ahead and a better hope that is to come, you know? And I think that's the beautiful thing about Christmas itself. It's like, here's a savior that is born unto us to bring us peace, you know? And we're in such a time where, you know, when he was born, the Jews and the Pharisees and all of them were wanting a political king to come and relieve them. And here we are in 2020, where people are seeking politics to bring society together, where it's like, no, like, I'm sorry, but it's really not that. Our our hope and our lives and our eternal life is ahead to come, you know, and as believers, we have to, like, remind one another that, like, hey, look, like, we are not of this world. We know that we have the power of Christ and his Holy Spirit and the Father, all three in one dwelling in us. And it's only, you know, us that can help these people who are expecting these things and help them with their blindness and their sins and their trespasses and really just telling them like, no, we have a savior and he came over 2000 years ago and he came to conquer death. You know, he came to take on our sins. And the only good thing that we did is to provide that sin, which was laid on that cross. That's the only thing that, the only good thing that we ever did. Other than that, we're just horrible. Like we're just sinners still, you know, but the only thing that we contributed to that was our sin. Here we are, here we have a perfect sinless man, you know, who came and bore our very sins on that cross, Mm -hmm. died and took on our punishment that we need and died for that, you know, died for us by, you know, the power of God. He rose on the third day, you know, and is now sitting at the right hand of God. And when he returns, he's going to come back to judge. And it's going to be a very frightening thing, you know, but we're going to be in heaven already worshiping, you know, something that we eagerly await. And that's something that is always in the back of my mind whenever I read, you know, Romans eight eighteen. you know, there's that better hope that is to come and it will come because that is where our faith is casted on. Yeah. And I think even when I read in the beginning, those verses that is said, she will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. I mean, and just hearing your life right now. There was yeah. nothing that you contributed to that. Yeah. Because, I mean, just thinking of the record yeah. that you had, you always went back to your own vomit, basically, yeah. to your old style mm-hmm. until Christ, until the gospel was introduced to you. Yeah. And that's like what we need to understand when we feel anxious because we see where the world is and where what people are yeah. eagerly seeking for or what they like just asking to mm-hmm. be given to them. Yeah. It's just to remind ourselves, this is not our home, just like you said. Our home is in heaven, yeah. and we will be with our Father, worshiping Him forever. Mm-hmm. And this is the hope that we have. Yeah. That hope is Christ. Yeah. Not the government, not politics, but it's Christ Himself. He is our hope. Yeah. Amen. Can you close us in prayer? Absolutely, please? yes. <laughs> Heavenly Father, um, what a joy, what a privilege it is, Lord, to be here um, sharing this, uh, Lord, that which I've done nothing, uh, Lord, um, to 
help myself, Lord, but Lord, I pray that it was honoring and pleasing to you, Lord. Uh, thank you for being so kind. Thank you for being so gracious, so merciful, uh, and being the God that you are, uh, Lord. I pr- thank you for being privileged to be here again, Father. Thank you for the friendships. Thank you for the lives that you have brought into everyone here in this room, Lord. And we just can't thank you enough, Lord, for uh, this season, Lord, for a time where we unite as families and as friends, Lord, to um, remember of your birth, Lord, and remember of your purpose uh, to walk here on life, Lord. I pray that um, you use this, Lord, to bring many others uh, to your calling, Father. And I pray that um, everyone has a blessed season, um, Lord, and whether it is that they're struggling through trials or good times, Lord, may they remember that everything we say and everything that we do may be honoring and pleasing to you, Lord. And I pray this in our Savior's name. Amen. Amen. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening or watching our podcast. If you're enjoying our podcast, we would like to invite you to support us by leaving us a review. Let us know how you have been encouraged by each one of the stories that you have listened here. Also leaving us your feedback. You can also help by following us on social media on Instagram and Facebook or by liking or commenting on our post and also by sharing with your friends and family. Also, don't forget to subscribe on our podcast and YouTube channel. Another way that you can also help us is financially by visiting our Patreon page by going on the link here on the description. On the next episode of Ordinary People with Extraordinary Lives. I technically did grow up in Sunday school, if you would count the four years in there. Mm -hmm. But throughout that time, all that I've known about Christ is that he died on the cross for me. But I didn't understand the exchange that was made on the cross. I didn't understand the fact that Christ has imputed his righteousness into me and then my sin was physically laid on him. Like that was the punishment rather than the the pain and the suffering on the cross. That was the lesser suffering in, in, in the reality of the cross.